Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 312. We're reading the final chapter of Maccabees, the final chapter of the Wisdom of Solomon, and book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verses 21 through 23. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a Year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a Year. If you had done so, you would realize that today, as I said yesterday, and maybe even the day before, today is day 312. It is the final day in the Old Testament. We are still going to hang out with Proverbs, of course, every single day. But my gosh, this is it, you guys. You will be able to say, basically, you've read the entire Old Testament by the end of today, within the next 20-ish, however long we have together, minutes. Ah, that's congratulations. You would know that if you had downloaded the uh, Bible in a Year timeline that I keep talking about all the time. Anyways, you also subscribe to this podcast and receive daily episodes and daily updates. As I said, it is day 312, reading second book of the Maccabees, chapter 15, the book of Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 19, and Proverbs, chapter 25, verses 21 through 23. The Second Book of the Maccabees, Chapter 15 Nicanor's Arrogance When Nicanor heard that Judas and his men were in the region of Samaria, he made plans to attack them with complete safety on the day of rest. And when the Jews who were compelled to follow him said, Do not destroy so savagely and barbarously, but show respect for the day which he who sees all things has honored and hallowed above other days, the thrice-accursed wretch asked if there were a sovereign in heaven who had commanded the keeping of the Sabbath day. And when they declared, It is the living Lord himself, the sovereign in heaven, who ordered us to observe the seventh day, he replied, And I am a sovereign also on earth, and I command you to take up arms and finish the king's business. Nevertheless, he did not succeed in carrying out his abominable design. Judas prepares the Jews for battle. This Nicanor, in his utter boastfulness and arrogance, had determined to erect a public monument of victory over Judas and his men. But Maccabeus did not cease to trust with all confidence that he would get help from the Lord. And he exhorted his men not to fear the attack of the Gentiles, but to keep in mind the former times when help had come to them from heaven, and now to look for the victory which the Almighty would give them, encouraging them from the law and the prophets, and reminding them also of the struggles they had won, he made them the more eager. And when he had aroused their courage, he gave his orders, at the same time pointing out the perfidy of the Gentiles and their violation of oaths. He armed each of them not so much with confidence and shields and spears as with the inspiration of brave words, and he cheered them all by relating a dream, a sort of vision which was worthy of belief. What he saw was this. Onias, who had been high priest, a noble and good man, of modest bearing and gentle manner, one who spoke fittingly and had been trained from childhood in all that belongs to excellence was praying with outstretched hands for the whole body of the Jews. Then likewise a man appeared, distinguished by his gray hair and dignity, and of marvelous majesty and authority. Antonius spoke, saying, This is a man who loves the brethren, and prays much for the people and the holy city, Jeremiah, the prophet of God. Jeremiah stretched out his right hand and gave to Judas a golden sword, and as he gave it, he addressed him thus, Take this holy sword, a gift from God with which you will strike down your adversaries. Encouraged by the words of Judas, so noble and so effective in arousing valor and awaking manliness in the souls of the young, 
they determined not to carry on a campaign, but to attack bravely and to decide the matter by fighting hand to hand with all courage because the city and the sanctuary and the temple were in danger. Their concern for wives and children and also for brethren and relatives lay upon them less heavily. Their greatest and first fear was for the consecrated sanctuary. And those who had to remain in the city were in no little distress, being anxious over the encounter in the open country. The Defeat and Death of Nicanor When all were now looking forward to the coming decision, and the enemy was already close at hand with their army drawn up for battle, the elephants strategically stationed, and the cavalry deployed on the flanks, Maccabeus, perceiving the hosts that were before him and the varied supply of arms and the savagery of the elephants, stretched out his hands toward heaven and called upon the Lord who works wonders. For he knew that it is not by arms, but as the Lord decides, that he gains the victory for those who deserve it. And he called upon him in these words, O Lord, you sent your angel in the time of Hezekiah, king of Judea, and he slew fully a hundred and eighty-five thousand in the camp of Sennacherib. So now, O sovereign of the heavens, send a good angel to carry terror and trembling before us. By the might of your arm, may those blasphemers who come against your holy people be struck down. With these words, he ended his prayer. Nicanor and his men advanced with trumpets and battle songs, and Judas and his men met the enemy in battle with invocation to God in prayers. So, fighting with their hands and praying to God in their hearts, they laid low no less than 35,000 men and were greatly gladdened by God's manifestation. When the action was over and they were returning with joy, they recognized Nicanor lying dead in full armor. Then there was shouting and tumult, and they blessed the sovereign Lord in the language of their fathers. And the man who was ever in body and soul the defender of his fellow citizens, the man who maintained his youthful goodwill toward his countrymen, ordered them to cut off Nicanor's head and arm and carry them to Jerusalem. And when he arrived there and had called his countrymen together and stationed the priests before the altar, he sent for those who were in the citadel. He showed them the vile Nicanor's head and that profane man's arm, which had been boastfully stretched out against the holy house of the Almighty. And he cut out the tongue of the ungodly Nicanor and said that he would give it piecemeal to the birds and hang up these rewards of his folly opposite the sanctuary. And they all, looking to heaven, blessed the Lord who had manifested himself, saying, Blessed is he who has kept his own place undefiled. And he hung Nicanor's head from the citadel, a clear and conspicuous sign to everyone of the help of the Lord. And they all decreed by public vote never to let this day go unobserved, but to celebrate the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is called Adar in the Syrian language, the day before Mordecai's day. The Compiler's Epilogue This, then, is how matters turned out with Nicanor. And from that time, the city has been in the possession of the Hebrews. So I, too, will here end my story. If it is well told and to the point, that is what I myself desired. If it is poorly done and mediocre, that was the best I could do. For just as it is harmful to drink wine alone, or again, to drink water alone, while wine mixed with water is sweet and delicious and enhances one's enjoyment, so also the style of the story delights the ears of those who read the work. And here will be the end. The Wisdom of Solomon, Chapter 19 God's Continuing Help for His People but the ungodly were assailed to the end by pitiless anger. For God knew in advance even their future actions, that though they themselves had permitted your people to depart and hastily sent them forth, they would change their minds and pursue them. For while they were still busy at mourning and were lamenting at the graves of their dead, they reached another foolish decision 
and pursued as fugitives those whom they had begged and compelled to depart. For the fate they deserved drew them on to this end and made them forget what had happened, in order that they might fill up the punishment which their torments still lacked and that your people might experience an incredible journey, but they themselves might meet a strange death. For the whole creation in its nature was fashioned anew, complying with your commands, that your children might be kept unharmed. The cloud was seen overshadowing the camp, and dry land emerging where water had stood before, an unhindered way out of the Red Sea, and a grassy plain out of the raging waves, where those protected by your hand passed through as one nation after gazing on marvelous wonders. For they ranged like horses and leaped like lambs, praising you, O Lord, who delivered them. For they still recalled the events of their sojourn, how instead of producing animals, the earth brought forth gnats, and instead of fish, the river spewed out vast numbers of frogs. Afterward, they saw also a new kind of birds, when desire led them to ask for luxurious food, for to give them relief, quails came up from the sea. The punishments did not come upon the sinners without prior signs in the violence of thunder, for they justly suffered because of their wicked acts, for they practiced a more bitter hatred of strangers. Others had refused to receive strangers when they came to them, but these made slaves of guests who were their benefactors. And not so only, but punishment of some sort will come upon the former for their hostile reception of the strangers, but the latter, after receiving them with festal celebrations, afflicted with terrible sufferings those who had already shared the same rites. They were stricken also with loss of sight, just as were those at the door of the righteous man, when, surrounded by yawning darkness, each tried to find the way through his own door. For the elements changed places with one another, as on a harp the notes vary the nature of the rhythm, while each note remains the same. This may be clearly inferred from the sight of what took place, for land animals were transformed into water creatures, and creatures that swim moved over to the land. Fire even in water retained its normal power, and water forgot its fire-quenching nature. Flames, on the contrary, failed to consume the flesh of perishable creatures that walked among them, nor did they melt the crystalline, easily melted kind of heavenly food. For in everything, O Lord, you have exalted and glorified your people, and you have not neglected to help them at all times and in all places. The Book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verses 21 through 23. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, Give him water to drink, for you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The north wind brings forth rain, and a backbiting tongue angry looks. Father in heaven, give you praise and glory. Thank you so much. Thank you for, um, not only for your justice, but also for your mercy and how you teach us to love our enemies and do good for those who hate us. Thank you for that. Help us to be able to do it. Help us to even love our neighbors. Help us to even love our friends well because, Lord, when it comes to love, um, it's what we're made for and it's something we struggle to do. So help us. Help us this day and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, here we are. You guys, day 312. This is amazing. We've just concluded the second book of Maccabees. Tomorrow, you're going to have a twofer, of course. Whenever we have a new time period or a messianic fulfillment, we've had a twofer where Jeff and I get a chance to talk and introduce the gospel of Luke and then, you know, the whole era of the church coming up very soon. So that's coming tomorrow. Get ready. Prepare yourself for that. But also, it also I want to highlight what a gift it is to have Jeff Cavins, isn't it? I mean, just, man, I... Well, I can go on and on. I can gush. I'm not going to gush anymore. But let's go back to Second Maccabees, the last chapter in Second Maccabees. 
There's a line here that highlights the fact of what drives, drives, drive, drove, <laughs> what really uh, motivated the Maccabees, right? What really motivated those who are fighting. Here's Judas Maccabeus, who is encouraging the people to fight. Again, not relying on their own swords or spears, not relying on their own strength of their arm, but relying upon the help that came from the Lord. But also, what is it for? What is it for? And this is chapter 15, verse 18. It said this, their concern for wives and children and also for brethren and relatives lay upon them less heavily. Their greatest and first fear was for the consecrated sanctuary. And there's something about this that just uh, highlights what is the motivation. Of course, they loved their wives and their children. They loved their relatives and brethren, obviously. But it weighed upon them less heavily than for the consecrated sanctuary. The thing was to defend the temple. The thing was to be able to keep that place of worship of God pure. I mean, just think about this. What would our lives be like if that was our passion, if that was our pursuit? was, Lord, for your honor, for the honor of your name. Not, not that we would go over to violence, but I just mean that we would defend, that we would um, keep our worship pure, that we would, when it comes to offering the sacrifice of the mass, to be able to say, Lord, that's the most important thing. More important than, uh, like mentioned the other day, more important than hockey, <laughs> more important than the idols in my lives, but even more important than the people I love is your temple. More important than the people I love is the Eucharist. You know, this is the foreshadow, I think, of how Jesus says to his disciples, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to love me more than anything else. And that's where we're headed tomorrow. Tomorrow we're beginning the gospel of Luke and just what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does Jesus look like? My invitation for tomorrow and as we read through the gospel of St. Luke is, is that just to watch Jesus, to listen to how he, how he acts and listen to how he lives, which is such a gift. Um, chapter 19 of the Wisdom of Solomon is obviously the conclusion in some ways to the story of the Exodus. I mean, it's not really because we know that there's all these wilderness wanderings, but we have the Red Sea. We have the people of Egypt who changed their mind when they told the Hebrews to leave and then they went in pursuit of them and how God continued to fight for his people and continued to bring them from this place of slavery to a place of freedom. Uh, and I love this, this last line, for in everything, O Lord, you have exalted and glorified your people and you have not neglected to help them at all times and in all places. And we know the story though, you guys, we know the story. We know that the story is not pretty. Like we mentioned yesterday, the story is not always beautiful and not always clean and neat. And yet we can still affirm you did not neglect to help them at all times and in all places, even if there was trouble, even if there was suffering, even when there was death, you did not neglect to help them at all times and all places. And that's what God does for us to help us to have the, God, we just pray that you help us to have eyes to see this, that you're present even in the midst of our brokenness. Let's pray for each other, you guys, because I... Oh, I say this all the time, but I know that in this community, there are people right now, this is the worst day of their life. If that's you, you are not alone. You are not alone. We are praying for you. Brothers and sisters, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. Mm-hmm.